You are now tuning in to Black Light, the collegiate discussion on the black student diaspora. What's up, guys? Welcome to Blacklight, the collegiate discussion on the black student diaspora. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in so much. This is the last episode of Blacklight. Thank you guys for rocking with me this whole season. Um, this episode is a special episode. So um, the name of this episode is Dear White People, The Art of Not Knowing. And with today, my guest is Miss Emily Clark. How are you, sweetheart? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So please introduce yourself to the crowd. So my name is Emily Clark, and I'm a senior here at ETSU. I'm a psychology major with a double minor in anthropology and sociology, and I also work in two psychological research labs on campus, along with multiple other organizations. Awesome. And another and another important fact of Miss Emily here, she is white. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, Emily, thank you for coming on the uh, show with us, and I'm very, very, very lucky for you to uh, come on here. Thank you for having me. So the first thing uh, to talk about, so cultural appropriation, when it comes to uh, the community as a whole, what is your stance on when it comes to uh, cultural appropriation? Honestly, at this point, I think that ignorance is just a stupid excuse. So I think that within our culture, cultural appropriation has become too common and has done way too often. So I think especially from a white standpoint, if you claim that you don't know or that you thought that it would be okay under a certain circumstance, it's not, and you're just acting ignorant. This is the era of technology, the era of culture. You should know, and if you have to question it, then you should probably not do it in the first place, mm -hmm. or you should definitely approach someone that's a close friend or someone that's a peer, and you should do it in a respectful but polite way, and if you should ask their opinion. Don't ask the opinion of the culture as a whole because they're one person, but ask their opinion from their standpoint. And if they have any pushback or they feel that it's not right, then you should really not do it. Any cultural appropriation, whether that be, you know, with religion, with race, with anything at all, just stay away from it. Especially, I like how you said the ignorance, especially. And um, a lot of people, uh, and this is just to my experience, especially dealing with... Uh, Going to frat houses. Right. Oh, one of my biggest pet peeves is when a song comes on, especially known for saying the N-word, you know, everybody's definitely willing to say that N-word in that song. And it's just like, uh, now, now, would you blame that on ignorance or would you blame that? What would you blame that towards? I would honestly still blame that on ignorance just in general. I think that a lot of times people will say, oh, well, there were black people in the room when I said it and they didn't react. So it's okay in past tenses and so they think that they can do it again and again and again but in reality it's not okay for you to say that word if you are white if you are any other race than the black race you have no reason for that word to come out of your mouth i could care less if you're in a group of black people if you're in an interracial relationship it's not it's not something you should say um, and so I think that a lot of times whenever it's in situations like at a party or at a frat house, people are doing it for kind of like a shock value mm -hmm. or even so to fit in. So everybody else is saying it. So I'm going to say it, too. But that mm -hmm. still doesn't make it right. Because they would say like it was said in the song. Right. 
And my biggest pet peeves, so it was said in a song. So you remember saying, uh, you remember listening to these rap songs when your parents are in the car, and you're saying every word. You're even saying the cuss words. Right. Would you say that in front of your parents? That's just, I would always ask that. And like, to some of these people who like says this, it, it drives me crazy. It really yeah. does. And if it's not okay for you to say in conversation, why is it okay for you to say in a song? Mm. That's real good. And so what is a um, a big feat that you see that um, the white population would do or use like when it comes to black culture? How do they appropriate black culture? I think that a lot of times it's done in the way that using their slang, using their language, they do it to sound cool or to sound like they're in. They a lot of times will even still like cultural hairstyles or cultural clothing options and they'll try to make it into something that it's not. So I've seen a lot of people that will pull, especially like the decorative African shirts and wear them at times for like Halloween costumes or things like that. And it's just like, why, why are you doing that? Out of all the things that you could choose to wear, that's not from your culture. You don't know the meaning behind that item. You didn't ask anybody what the meaning behind it was. So instead of misrepresenting it, why do it at all? Um, my, one of my biggest, um, and I'm be completely honest with you, one of my biggest issues is with the Kardashian family. Uh, when it comes to the box braids by Kim, they think that this whole hairstyle, like you know, was it when she wore it and everything. When our people have been wearing numerous things, especially um, the big, big booty attribute, her the way her body looks. It's funny how everything is directed towards the Kardashians, and it's like black people have been having this whole situation, this whole look from the get-go, but y'all want to worship it when somebody else does it. That's one. Of, that's one of my biggest issues, and I I hate that we that we as a cult, not we uh, actually no America as a culture, you know, focuses on these things, and I I want to know how can people get away from that what would you say how people can get away from that i think the thing about it is is that you have to realize that the movement of pop culture endorsing being woke is great that's wonderful by all means however a lot of people are in it to be woke for just the cultural value not actually going deep and understanding what being woke means so they think that by wearing these hairstyles or by trying to achieve the body type or doing anything that's cultural appropriation, they're being woke when in fact they're doing the opposite. So I think the way that you they're can exploiting over- it. Right. So I think as a way for others to overcome this is don't look at pop culture. Do the research yourself. Figure out what's going on. You can watch TV shows. You can Google things. You can figure out why cultures are the way that they are, what they're based in without misrepresenting them, without exploiting the culture so you can for yourself do something as easy as get on your phone hit the safari app and figure out what's actually going on you know stay up to date on what's going on in the political climate there's multiple ways to overcome it you don't need to idolize somebody who's exploiting another culture because that's basically what the kardashians do Mm. and uh speaking of um woke so what does being woke mean what is the definition of that So my definition of woke would be that you understand that you have privilege and you've acknowledged your privilege personally, you've acknowledged it socially, publicly, and you decided that you wanted to use 
your privilege for the betterment of those who have been mistreated by society for years and years. So I think being woke is understanding the privilege is there, using it for the betterment of others, and then doing what you can to make society better as a whole. Mm, Okay. Um, There's another definition uh, that's brought by Urban Dictionary. It says, although in in incorrect tense of awake, uh, it's a reference to how people should be aware in current affairs. Um, Another definition I've heard is when somebody who is culturally aware, just period, point blank, um, that do you, would that definition and also this definition that Urban Dictionary had put, do you think that that, that is what being woke is, especially being your definition as well? Yes, I think that it definitely is. I just think that it's important to understand that being woke is not surface level. Mm-hmm. It goes deeper than that. You have to truly understand what cultural values and lie with each culture, what their morals and ethics are. You have to really understand as a whole the culture, not just parts. Mm. All right, awesome. So when it comes to it, um, being an ally is very important in, in, in today's society. And Matt, uh, my man Matt, my producer Matt, is actually looking up what being the definition of an ally and everything. So what is an ally? So mm-hmm. an ally is someone who's in your corner, somebody who's going to support you, uplift you, be there for you, help you be better, help you reach your goals, help you achieve things. That's someone who's going to be a friend and a support system as a whole. Mm. And so, like, how does one be an ally for somebody of the black community? I think it goes back again to first acknowledging your privilege and then choosing to make a commitment to better the community in any way that you can. So whether that's exercising your right to vote and voting in politicians that are really in it for equality and merging that inequality gap between different cultures, or whether that's just overall being an ally by unlearning the personal biases that you have. Because as a psychological researcher, every single person in the world has implicit biases. And that can come from how you were raised, what society you grew up in, what you heard, where you went to school. So you have to unlearn those negative things that you've thought about certain groups. You have to be committed to learning more about culture. You have to be committed to learning more about people. Mm. All right. And so there's a uh, there's a name that's very common in the black community, not just here at East Tennessee State University, but nationally. Um, Sam Whiteout. Um, Sam is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, a historically black fraternity uh, in the Divine Nine or National Panhellenic Council. Um, and he went viral, you know, um, on a video uh, of him shimming, which is a just a regular dance that. Um, the members of Kappa Alpha Psi pretty much present, show, they always perform at every event, stroll off, step show, the whole thing. And he's good at it. I'm not going to lie. He's good at it very much. But uh, would you consider him being an ally? Because, you know, once he came on the scene, especially when it came to shimmying and everything, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, man, this white, like, he's woke and he's, he tweets these things like he's, you know, here for the, the culture, here for the community and everything. Um, do you think that he is an ally? I think on a certain level he's an ally, but I think where he went wrong is that 
he tried to speak for the community as a whole. And I think that's... What community? The black community. Mm -hmm. And I think that's wrong. He is a white individual, irrelevant of if he's a member of an NPHC fraternity. So he cannot come out and speak for the black community. Of course, he can, you know, try to raise awareness about cultural inequalities and things like that, but he can't speak for them. Just like I can't speak for a black community as a white person, it doesn't work that way. So I think he did a good job in some of the things that he said, and they definitely had some relevance, but I think overall the situation got taken out of context and he was idolized when he should not have been. And um, that's a great point. So um, I pulled up, we pulled up uh, articles about Sam Whiteout. So recently he's been in the um, media about, uh, he just recently got an article within the, um, was it Howard? It was uh, one of the Howard's documents and everything. He had uh, put an article in there. And um, the Grio, which, you know, so a Grio is um, historically what a Grio was, was a storyteller, an African folklore. Um, griots were how uh, Africans kind of stayed um, connected with stories of the past. There were no historians. They were just storytellers. And that's what the griot was. And so the website, the griot, is of them t- uh, giving opinions on certain things. So this article by Ernest Owens, um, and it was published uh, just recently, November 30th. Um, so the opinion, black men invited Sam White out to the cookout and they're to blame for him taking up space. So if you go down, and so it's like Sam Sam White, so Sam White, which is Sam Whiteout is actually his line name, and so Sam White uh, is what ha- is is what happens when you bring a Caucasian to the cookout and they forget that they are a guest at your house. Um, this week, the self-proclaimed uh, uh, white ally has faced backlash on social media for announcing that he got published in an academic journal discussing wokeness, Black Panther. Drake, Shonda Rhimes, and a lot of other black topics he shouldn't be giving an expert opinion on. The article was oddly titled Popularizing Wokeness and published in uh, in the prestigious Harvard Kennedy School Journal of African American Public Policy. The five-page article was essentially the China teapot calling the glass of milk white. As the link between wokeness and profit becomes more clear, white writes, um, we will face more and more attempts to capitalize off this trend without actually being woke or doing any good at all. And uh, according to uh, White's Twitter post, um, Aaron Francis, a black Harvard student and writer for the publication, invited him to contribute his lackluster piece uh, to their issue. And um, um, Tor- Torrain Walker um, uh, on Twitter had said, don't be mad at Sam White. I'll be mad at yourselves for creating him in the first place. Y'all be on here ready to bust it open and offer your firstborn to any Chad who echoes woke talking points or dances somewhat on beat. It's pathetic. Aaron Francis, who is who is a black man and the editor of the Harvard Kennedy School Journal, invited Sam White as a guest to reframe a uh, Ben Winch argument is an extremely inaccurate projection. And so when it comes to it, why would black scholars at Harvard let a white boy attempt to explain wokeness to their intellectual tribe? And it was they said, here's a quick bet. White rose to prominence through his proximity to blackness as a member of the black fraternity cap alpha psi. And I truly do understand where uh, people were coming with this, you know. Pretty much he was celebrated. Like, I'm not going to lie, especially being in the divine nine myself. Um, he was celebrated. The man was worshipped. There was like, oh, Sam White, 
that white boy is smooth. He's like he can shimmy. Like, oh, this man, this oh, this man, he down with the brown. He he full. And so like um, people went with it. We like as a cult. I'm I'm not gonna say as a culture because there were some people who you know there's some people who are against white people being the divine nine organizations, and there's just some people who's kind of like eh. But like you know he's shimmying, but what is he doing in the community? Like you know is he one of those you know that's just here for the culture or he's just here you know just to have a good time right and just benefit from it <laughs> when it when it comes to it and i'm not gonna lie when i first um when i was in neo when i uh, first went greek and everything i think that was when sam kind of his claim to fame was prominent and so I, even i was kind of like oh snap this white white guy got rid of the mo like you know I bet this man, he down for the people, you know, not even getting no. And now it's getting to the point where it seems like he's exploiting um, the culture. You know, his success is. Due, and I seen um, I actually went to his website. He has a website now and everything. It does. Uh, I believe he does public speaking and everything. And people like you can book him. You can email him and everything. And it goes to it goes to show it's kind of like, you know, did you really just like your claim to fame was. Like going for the culture, it's something else. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. They'll think that somebody's woke because they have an Instagram caption that seems woke. Or they'll get down in the club the right way or anything to that nature. So for him, he shimmied properly, which is great. That's cool. Like, I'm so glad that you have rhythm, but that doesn't define wokeness. Just because you can dance a certain way, just because you can talk a certain way, just because you can walk a certain way, has nothing to do with how woke you are on an intellectual level. Mm. Now, do you consider yourself woke? I like to consider myself woke. I think like any individual, I still have more to learn. I'm still growing as a person. So I think that I can definitely become more woke. I think that it's something that as a member of the white culture, I have to understand my privilege. I have to work to learn more about other cultures and I have to work to not only better myself, but hopefully be one of the people who's helping uplift other cultures and merge that gap of inequality that's happening throughout our nation and throughout the world. Wow. That, oh, you just hit home, girl. Like, seriously, you just, that hit me in my chest. That hit me in my chest. And um, with that, you know, thank you for your words and especially talking about uh, what it means to be woke and also what it means to be an ally. So what can our ETSU students be more uh, uh, do to be an ally, especially more for not only black students, but also like, you know, other minorities who are going through. Because, you know, though this is uh, talking about the black student diaspora, um, being an ally uh, is more than being an ally to just one race. Correct. So how, how can the majority be an ally? How can faculty and staff as well be an ally? I think it's very important for faculty and staff. I have been in classes where I've heard faculty and staff make different racist comments or different religious comments, especially here recently, immigration comments. And you know that students in the classroom are offended by it. And you know that it hurts. Even as a student that might not be a part of that culture, it still is going to hit home if you are quote-unquote woke. So I think as far as becoming an ally on campus, there is how to be an ally workshops. There's an organization on campus called Peace that will lead that will lead talks about how students can become an ally, what it means to be an ally, 
who are you an ally for? Because a lot of people don't realize the the relationship of intersectionality. So not only can you be a black student, you can be a gay black student. Not only can you be a Muslim student, but you can be a Muslim transgender student. And you have to understand that those are going to overlap with one another. So you can't just be an ally to one group. You have to be an ally to both of those groups in order to benefit that person. So on campus, what you can do is educate yourself. Learn as much as you can about each culture, whether that be the LGBTQ community, the black community, the different religious communities. Learn about them all. Educate yourself because there's plenty of ways that you can do that. They're not always going to be openly known. You might have to, you know, do some research to figure out if you are going to be able to attend the events, if they're going to fit into your schedule, but they are on campus. So just figure out where they are, figure out how you can learn the most, and then do research on your own. You know, you can speak to different friends that you have in those communities. If you don't have friends in those communities, you can join online groups that are focused on them. Hmm. All right. So when it comes to it, um, and that was also for faculty and staff as well, correct? Yes, definitely for faculty and staff. I think that ETSU as a whole institution needs to make the issue of allyship more prominent. So they need to make sure that faculty and staff are trained on diversity issues, that faculty and staff are trained on how to handle whenever two students might get in an argument that's based on diversity and based on someone doing cultural appropriation inappropriately or someone mistreating another person because of their diversity aspects. You brought up a great point, especially with our faculty and staff. Um, we have here pulled up ETSU's vision. So ETSU's vision is a developing a world-class environment to enhance student success and improve the quality of life in the region and beyond. And further on, we're reading. We're going to read ETSU's mission and values. ETSU provides a student-centered community of learning, reflecting high standards, and promoting a balance of liberal arts and professional preparation and continuous improvement. The university conduct, conducts a wide array of educational and research programs and clinical services, including a comprehensive academic health sciences center. Education is the university's highest priority, and the institution is committed to increasing the level of educational attainment in the state and region based on core values where people come first and are treated with dignity and respect and encouraged uh, to achieve their full potential. Relationships are built on honesty, integrity, and trust. Diversity of people thought is respected. Excellence is achieved through teamwork, leadership, creativity, and a strong work ethic. Efficiency is achieved through wise use of human and financial resources and commitment to intellectual achievement is embraced. So ETSU endorses the value of liberal education and provides enriching experience and honors education, student research and create creative activity, study abroad, service learning, and community-based education. It honors and preserves the rich heritage of Southern Appalachia through distinctive education, research, and service programs, and actively engaged in regional stewardship, affirms the contributions of diverse people, cultures, and thought uh, uh, to intellectual, uh, social, and economic development, uh, and ETSU offers students a total university experience that includes cultural and artistic programs, diverse student activities, a variety of residential opportunities, uh, and outstanding recreational and intercollegiate athletic programs. And so um, what is your statement on that? Because ETSU's mission statement is, you know, focusing on, to a certain extent, diversity. What do you say about that? 
I think that it's not enough. They have one statement that says diversity of people and thought is respected. That's Mm. great. That's important. But diversity alone is important, especially on a college campus. A lot of times there's an issue when it comes to collegiate institutions where that are PWIs, predominantly white institutions, where black students are almost thought of as token students. They're Mm -hmm. the athletes. They're the ones who are really, really smart, or they're here for a specific reason on a scholarship. And whenever, a diver- yeah, a multicultural scholarship, a multicultural scholarship, Di- diversity scholarship, right? Much. They're trying to get their numbers up when it comes to diverse students. Mm-hmm. They're not actually trying to do anything for the diversity on campus. It's self-interested a lot of times, especially with PWIs, and I feel that it's that way with ETSU. You see that one statement. It doesn't say that we're teaching diversity. We're encouraging diversity. It says diversity is respected. But how respected is it in an institution where in my four years here, there was a racist incident. It was talked about for a week and you never hear about it now. And it was a huge incident. It was when a student came out at a Black Lives Matter protest and held up a sack of bananas and a gorilla mask. That was huge. And also with a noose. With a noose, Um, exactly. mm -hmm. So it was talked about once since then that I know of. And during that week, it was only really spoke about that week. Mm -hmm. It never has been a continuous thing of, well, what are we going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Mm -hmm. What are we going to do to educate our students so they know that this is not okay? This is not how you behave. None of that happens at ETSU. So I think ETSU as a whole has to make a change, has to make diversity not just respected, it has to make diversity a priority. Yes. Now, how can ETSU do that? ETSU can do that by encouraging their faculty and staff to learn about diversity. Mm -hmm. ETSU can do that by introducing new diversity organizations. It's great to have a diversity office on campus, but that's not enough. You need to have diverse groups. You need to have diversity prominent. Almost every event that's attended here at ETSU is predominantly white. It's usually led by a white organization. There's predominantly white students who attend. You don't really see any black-led events. You don't really see any events that are led by the Indian community or the Jewish community. And there's all these different communities on campus. We have a huge population of Asian students. I have never once seen an event led by the Asian students on campus, and they're just as important as the white students on campus. So ETSU needs to make a push for diversity to not only be represented, but be important and to be taught on campus. Yes, I agree. That also goes into, like, especially who do you have hired as faculty and staff, especially having a diverse group, because it's something else when you go to class and I'm the only black face in that class. And then, um, especially not too long ago, they had uh, a professor um, who was the head of diversity uh, efforts, and he was a heterosexual white male. Right. And first off, don't get me wrong, he was a great professor, you know, and, you know, he probably have the, how can I say, the, the degrees to back it up. Yeah. But that doesn't, that doesn't show you as a university to be diverse, that doesn't at all. Correct. And it's something when a with a professor talks about diversity, you know, what what do they know about diversity when they don't even look like me, or they don't even look like you know, somebody else who is marginalized, and that's one of the biggest issues that uh, 
definitely ETSU uh, can face, and not only ETSU, other PWIs um, nationally. Right. Because they, they want to talk about diversity, but, like, you know, in their mission statement, they'll say, oh, we respect diversity. We don't encourage it. You know, we don't, we don't even put it in our teach own. teach it. Yes. Where's it at in my classroom? I've had teachers before that will come out and with the foreign exchange students, they'll try to guess where they're from. They make it a game like it's something funny. Or automatically assume their name or give them a different nickname. Uh, not too, uh, Recently, I had uh, met uh, uh, a woman. Her name was Patricia. All right, I, I can't pronounce Patricia, so I'm going to give you the name Patty. Right. That, How can you change some somebody else's name? Yeah, you can't do that. And that's exactly what a lot of the professors here are doing. And it goes back to the statement I made about ignorance. Within this region, you know, we live in southeast Appalachia. So people rely on the fact that, oh, well, this is just our culture. Get the hell over it. Wake up. Get yourself woke. Figure out that. You are irrelevant if you cannot adapt to what's happening within the world. And what's happening within the world is diversity. So get on board or get off. <laughs> y'all heard it from the lady yourselves. Man, woo, I felt the spirit almost. <laughs> she said, get on board or get off. Um, you know, Emily, thank you for even uh, having the conversation uh, with us about this because it's a very touchy subject and uh, one of the biggest issues I find not only within ETSU's community but even within our own black community. A lot of our black students especially, and speaking from experience for me, um, and I'm not trying to like speak on my whole culture or whatever, but like I know with me, originally I used to be kind of iffy about it because sometimes you don't know who you can trust, really. And when it comes to it especially, there are times where, you know, we kind of have a white person. We're kind of like, oh, you know, this person's on rhythm. This person knows this. You know what? This person can be woke. You know, maybe we can trust that per- And that person rides the woke coattails to glory and everything. And especially when it comes to it, uh, sometimes uh, black students, we can get defensive. Um, especially having uh, some of our organizations, like uh, not too long ago, we had Unapologetically Black. And it's a great uh, event that's led by um, Black Affairs, usually, um, last year, Brooke Anderson, that was her last name, and yes, Brooke Anderson had led um, led the event. She'd done a phenomenal job. Uh, the year before, I was on the staff, and the year, bo- uh, the year before was the first time, and it was um, brought to campus by black students named Doretha, uh, Doretha Ben Saran, I can't even think Saran's last name, Faith Vaughn, who's still here in admissions. She's actually getting her <laughs> master's currently, um, and she, she'll be graduating soon in December. So... Um, they had a phenomenal staff of unapologetic black um, in the past three years. And when it comes to it, I remember dealing with uh, some black students. Um, unapologetic black was meant for a campus-wide celebration for Black History Month. It was here to inform. It was here to express and celebrate. Um, campus-wide, campus-wide. And I still remember there was an event where uh, a white person had came to an event, which was good. Well, it's supposed to be good because, like I said, we're here to inform. And if you don't know, like, ask. Research. Right. And so, and the best thing, the best person to ask is the person who is marginalized, especially about issues within the is, uh, within our community that we go through. And sometimes I feel like when it comes to a part where we're kind of like, 
complain not complaining. I don't want to say complaining, but when we're saying like you know we're going through A, B, C, D, like we are being discouraged, we are being oppressed. Like if we're telling that to other black people, that's just that doesn't get anywhere. That's just us telling stuff. But we're actually when we're talking to the oppressor or someone who can be an ally, who is willing to be an ally, that would be a better bet, especially because um, that white person uh, who, who I feel or who I felt, um, I felt that she could be an ally and everything. I felt that she could be an ally. And when it came to it, I still remember it seemed like um, it was kind of we kind of attacked her to a certain extent. Now there is a there is a level of uh, readiness and a, a level of co- communication that we need to have, especially when we have these diversity talks, uh, because it's it's going to be hard. It's hard to open up your shell and talk about things that this uh, that are this heavy, but these things will make a better tomorrow. And it's like you said, you know, the world is becoming diverse. You know, either you get on the train or get out. Right. Um, and so this is less well this is still serious but less serious um let's talk about uh when it comes to the interactions between um black and white people okay. um like friendships when it comes to it uh, in one of our episodes we had talked about uh the interactions between black and white people you know uh what do you say about like you know white students in black organizations and then vice versa i think that intermixing the cultures, learning about each other's cultures, and white individuals trying to become an ally, I think it's great. And I think it definitely should be welcome. At the same time, I acknowledge that a lot of white students are going to be in it for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. A lot of white students are going to be in it for the cultural shock or the cool factor of it. So I understand a lot of times the pushback that might come from black students, like, can we really trust you? Can we really expect you to be an ally whenever the doors are shut is anything going to be said bad is anything going to come out that really isn't allyship so i think it's great and i think that it should be welcomed as far as white members becoming members of black organizations and vice versa but i think it should obviously be done with caution just like a lot of things with friendships specifically i think it comes down to not only being an ally but being obviously a friend in general and learning how to mix those two things together. So learning that you guys are friends, but not only are you friends, you're that person's ally in a time of need. So recognizing if you're out with that person and somebody says a microaggression towards them, check in on them. Be like, hey, that wasn't okay. Are you okay? Do you want to talk about it? Is there anything I can do? How are you feeling? Whenever it's your friend and something happens on campus that is a racist event or an event that exploits diversity in any way or another culture, you know, you got to be there for them. You got to be like, okay, well, if you're going to protest this event, I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to protest as well. I'm going to stand up for your rights. I'm going to vote in student body members for SGA that are fighting against this. So being a friend is taking that allyship a step further, in my opinion. All right. What about relationships? Interracial relationships? Yes, interracial relationships. So I think with interracial relationships, you're just taking it, again, even further. Because the way that I view a relationship is that's your support. 
your support system as a whole. That's the person you go to when things get hard. That's the person who's going to be there at the end of the night to pick you up, make sure you're doing okay, and be there for you when you wake up in the morning. So I think whenever it comes to interracial relationships, it takes two really strong individuals to enter that relationship. However, that being said, unfortunately, there's definitely some cultural stereotypes that have arised. So as a white female who is in a relationship with a black male personally, whenever people find out that I'm with him, they'll say, oh, well, you're just another white female chasing another black male, as if it's something that isn't true love or something that isn't a true support system. And the same kind of goes for him. People will find out that he's with me and automatically assume that he doesn't find black women attractive or that he's only attracted to white women when that's not the case for either one of us. And when we're together, we're going to get looks and stares and we do get looks and stares and we get comments made towards us. And we have to come together at the end of the day and check in on one another, make sure that we're doing okay, you know, figure out how we're going to respond to those situations when they occur. So we have to have a united front about how things are really going to happen. Are we going to say something to the person that stares us down? Or are we going to keep moving? Are we going to, you know, continue on with our lives? So it takes two really mature people to be in an interracial relationship. So for those of the people that are just doing it for the culture shock of it, they're probably not going to last because they're not going to be able to have these conversations. They're not going to be able to sit down and talk educatedly about what's happening within their own relationship. And because of that, they won't be able to grow the same way that two people who are in it for the right reasons will. So I think interracial relationships have their own hardships, just like any relationships do. But I think they're definitely doable if the people are really in it for the right reasons. Miss Emily, thank you so much for your words. Um, it was amazing. Thank you for this uh, great episode. Thank you for being our final episode. Um, uh, we will see you around campus and everything. And so this is the end of the episode, guys. Thank you for rocking with me with for this whole season. Um, number one, speaking of rocking with me the whole season, Matt Bugatti, thank you for everything you have done for me, my man. You have been amazing. Thank you so much. Um, shout out to Shara Lange and Tammy Hayes. Shout out to Jesse Denny and Ms. Georgia Dover. Thank you for using the room room uh you're so amazing uh candy i love you so much thank you so much and last but not least thank you media and communication department at east tennessee state university i'm your host leon humphrey jr and this it was the season of black light the black student diaspora <laughs>